Hello everyone, today we go back to the mini charity special from 2005 starring David Tennant in his first ever story. The TARDIS Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no. Hello, listeners. Hello, Liam. <laughs> wow, you sound very chirpy. Uh, hi, Rob. Hi, listeners. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Can't complain. And yourself? Fine, yeah. Uh, pro- oh, yeah. I've been off work this week, so that's probably why I sound different. <laughs> yeah, you sound happy I'm and depressed. full of energy. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing too bad. Um, uh, putting the fence up in the back garden yesterday. So went out, got some posts, put them in the ground, nailed up a new fence. Mm-hmm. So it's been good, yeah. And also laying some slabs because I'm gonna get a new shed as well. All right, good, good. So um, yeah, I want the garden all nice for the summer, for the warm weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a mess at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> What you got, about you? you got, well, with me, it's uh, it's mainly been work. I'm, I'm mentally drained. Uh, yeah. This week has just been ridiculously busy. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't helped today because I had a ton of stuff to do. Uh, and then you can guarantee when, uh, you know, everyone's left you alone for the week. And then the one day where it's like, everyone can just leave me alone. That's the day when they decide to just bombard you with all their crap. And you're just sitting there going, oh, for <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> swearing your head off uh you just got to deal with it but yeah uh coming home today was just <clears throat> mentally exhausted i haven't felt that tired in a long time oh no but it hasn't been all bad uh tuesday was nice uh, i did manage to take actually tuesday off work uh for a friend's wedding okay uh and that was really nice uh obviously happy occasion uh Mates I hadn't seen in a while, so it was nice catch-up, good food, good company. Yeah, that was a really nice day, so that was good. That's good. Was it still a bit tiring, though? Well, as it, as it was Tuesday, it sort of, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad, because it's, sort of yeah. like it's early on the week, Monday wasn't too bad work-wise. It's really been from Wednesday onwards is when their work's just like, ridiculously been busy, so. So if that <laughs> was like a Friday wedding, you would have been so miserable. <laughs> be like... Liam, it's a happy occasion. Well, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, so because it was on Tuesday, all, yeah. all was well. Yeah, they must have planned it around you. It's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Just got some... Um, well, I, I can't eat jelly babies, but uh, I got these fruit jellies from Sainsbury's. They're actually quite nice. <laughs> you sound surprised. Um, yeah, all right. Because um, they've all got like beef or pork gelatin in, so... These are fine. Um, uh, Close enough to Jelly Babies, I think. Mm. Yeah, they're all right. Yeah, what what flavour are they? Are they like they're fruity? They're they're all fruity. So fruit jellies, and they're all in shapes of fruit. The lime and the lemon ones are my favourite. Orange ones are nice, but there's like a red one and a black one. Um, Yeah, check them out. They're at Sainsbury's. (laughs) <laughs> Close of World podcast is sponsored by Sainsbury's. Uh, well, actually, now because uh, well before I had um, 
Morrison's <laughs> you're sponsored by Sainsbury's I'm sponsored by Morrison's um, uh, I had some Morrison's um, salted caramel ice cream which is really ah. really nice right was that in like a tub yeah I didn't eat the whole tub though <laughs> oh right really I always eat the whole tub no, I'm actually... I, feel, I feel like it's a, it's a good trip. I ate half of it, so it's not That's quite That's good a bit. because if you eat 75%, it's so disappointing when you go back to it. And there's like a <laughs> tiny so bit left. left. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. Sort of like eight half. So oh, that's then... clever. I'd say that half or all. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good rule. When I, you pass that halfway mark, there's, that's the point of no return. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, what's the point? You've had 75% of it. You may as well eat the, the remaining 25. Uh, and as you said, if, you, if you're going to come back to it later, just go, oh, I've got ice cream. Oh, that's all that's left. You just uh, open yourself to like, of disappointment. It's disappointing. It's, it's rock hard. So you're going to wait. Do you break your hand desperately <laughs> enough to get, the, to get the first few or do you wait a bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So no, I think that's a good rule, Rob. I'm with you on that one. Okay. Either uh, half... Or the whole thing. Yeah. There's no in-between. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, I'm looking at the back of these jellies. It's just a little um, 400 gram bag. I mean, it's a quite a big bag, I guess. It says approximately 11 servings. And I looked at that. I thought, well, that's a nice little snack for me. Um, I mean, who wouldn't get through these? <laughs> I mean, if I don't, it says used by October 31st. So, um, happy Halloween, kids. I'll taste them out then. <laughs> Or the reject ones. Uh, have you got a drink there? Oh yeah, um, I don't know. Oh, I got some red wine from the neighbours. Oh, nice. Um, Cowston Crossing Shiraz. South African red wine. Oh, no, and okay. it's vegan. Have you had it before? No. No. A little bit better, but it's nice. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, that was nice of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm accompanied with uh, a glass of water for later on, but at the moment, um, I'm I've got a nice, nicely brewed, perfect cup of tea. That's cool. Uh, you WhatsApped me about cuppers uh, <laughs> yesterday or today. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> friend of mine sent me this clip I'll, I'll be sharing it because I've just been howling with laughter um, <clears throat> I think that I've never seen them before I think it's just a, I think it's a group of Australians it turns out they're from New Zealand I've just massively offended them uh, a group of Australian uh, I think they're mates and they do comedy sketches on YouTube and uh, one of them where they're in a workplace and someone makes someone like a really 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 milky cup of tea and uh, she go, she just goes off on one about how milky it is, and it it, it just cracks me up laughing. The it's thing true that, though. It is true. I mean, it's just like who would make a cup of tea like that? Just absolutely awful. As she said, you know, in the comedy thing, why would you make a tea like a, uh, a tea flavored milkshake? <laughs> the bit that starts to really crack me up is because she's really because the the character is called Adam, who's made this awful cup of tea, and she. Yeah. She's she's going to the cup of tea, 
and Adam going, yuck, 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 yuck. Um, <laughs> before uh, actually going an absolute tirade of calling him the C word. And, and he go- starts crying. <laughs> and he starts crying. Going, There's literally a place in hell for people who make tea like this. Uh, and, and anyway, it cracked me up and now yeah. Yeah, I have to share it. Yeah. Like, uh, typically, you know, people. There's always someone who makes the drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always the one that says no because I, because I know it. It either comes really, it comes wrong or really crap. So I always say no. So people have got this idea that I don't I don't drink hot drinks, mm-hmm. um, which is it's it, that's good because I don't have to be made them, <laughs> and also I don't have to make them for anyone. You know, it's like a win win, <laughs> but. Um, I've noticed there's a problem. Uh, like at work, someone might get the costas in sometimes, mm-hmm. and they don't. They're like, "Oh, you want one? One will you?" <laughs> I suppose not. No. So, and, I, and I actually do. <laughs> well, actually, me sending you that clip because you said uh, you asked me a question, which was, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> quite often, you know, do you want a drink? Do you want a cup? Uh, I'll have just coffee, please. So yeah, I did ask Liam what what does he mean? What, what does he think by just coffee? What would he bring me? Um, and of course, you said just a black coffee. Yeah, I would give you if you just if you just want coffee, then you you just want coffee. Yeah. So it'd be a black coffee. And the problem is, everyone's set in their own way. Everyone has their own fundamentals of what a default cupper is <laughs> somehow. So yeah, if I say I just I want just a coffee, then I. Oh, just as it comes, loads of milk, <laughs> couple of sugars, <laughs> um, <laughs> sit there and drink it. Uh, but yeah, I like. I'm like, no, no, just black. And I, I constantly get this like reaction, like, what, oh, just black, no milk? But yes, no milk. Oh, wait, no cold water. Why had cold water to make it just, just the right temperature? I hate that. So then you end up with like a lukewarm cup. <laughs> That's crap. I've just got this image now of people watching Twin Peaks and the thing that really freaks them out is the fact that uh, Agent Dale Cooper, Special Agent Dale Cooper, just, you know, has black coffee. That's Mm. the weirdest thing to them. And that's the thing that they focus on going, that series is weird. He drinks just black coffee. Yeah. I don't know. Do they not drink just black coffee in a lot of, like, American TV shows? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's there's a show called Gilmore Girls. I've heard of actually, that. I've not watched it. It's actually it one of my favourite shows. I rate it oh. higher than Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, the like there's like this mother daughter, and they are constantly at the diner just drinking coffee. Um, but they are they just drink black coffee out the out the pot, and mm. I don't know, just normal <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I don't drink I don't drink milk that often. Um, I I drink kind of soya. Mm-hmm. If I'm having cereal, the only time I ever have milk in a hot drink is if I go out somewhere. I wouldn't do it at home. If I'm having like a cappuccino or a latte, mm. I just give in. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just have normal dairy milk uh, usually, but I, I find that oat milk, it, it works really nice, especially uh, if you're going to have a white coffee. I think oat milk works really well. Right. I think I've drank that before, but not had it in a, in a drink. <laughs> That makes sense. Right. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough about tea and coffee etiquette. Unless you've got more to say. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
on to what we've been watching, I guess. Um, no, no, hang on. Sorry, there's something I wanted to... Cause, um, oh, right, okay. No, no, it's just uh, it's just my Star Trek talk. Uh, before we get into Doctor Who. Okay, in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I've been watching the, um, the original series of Star Trek uh, for the first time since I was a kid. And I hadn't seen every episode... Uh, it was just whatever was being repeated, and I haven't really seen the I haven't seen any of the original series since then. And I bought it on Blu-ray and have been watching it and been talking about it in the last few podcasts. Anyway, um, I th- uh, I think the most recent episode is probably my favorite at the moment, which is Balance of Terror. Really like that one. That's the one that introduces the Romulans for the first time. Yes, uh, with Mark Leonard mm-hmm. as the. Uh... Of course, he is famous for playing Spock's father, Sarek. But he plays the lead Romulan in this story. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great episode. I mean, in many in many respects, it, sort of, it follows the, the beats that you would expect. So the episode begins with uh, a wedding, which is about to happen, but, get, it's, but gets interrupted uh, by news of these um, space stations near the neutral zone being attacked. So the wedding is postponed. And you kind of know we're going, well, at the end, one of them's going to die, probably the groom. And that does happen. But I don't mind. It's not that it's not that it's predictable. It just seems to flow very well. I just think it's really good, solid storytelling. Um, and it's an episode that has everything. It has the, the, the tension and the excitement of a battle about to happen. But the Captain Kirk and the Romulans trying to outwit each other. Yeah, I, um, I really like the atmosphere. I really like the characters of it, um, and of course, it has that emotional heart at the end of the story as well. It's it's like that episode that it just has everything that you could possibly want in a, you know uh, in a story, and it's told incredibly well. Mm. Yeah. I just think it's uh, great. I really liked it. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, the Romulans and Kirk never come face to face, do they? It's all over the view screen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similar to uh, I guess Wrath of Khan. It was it was um I was when I was very young um someone just pointed pointed out to me that Khan and Kirk are never actually in this in the same scene it hadn't really occurred to me. Yeah, I haven't seen um I haven't seen Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan in years, um so I can't really remember which of it. But now that you mention it, it's sort of oh yeah I think I think that yeah I think that's right. Yeah, I mean they're constantly like playing off each other and mm-hmm. talking, but they, yeah, they're never in the same room at all. Ah, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, with going back to Balance of Terror, and one of the things that it deals with is prejudice as well, which I think is is handled really well because the it, Romulans. Yeah, it's like inherent prejudice as well because mm. this Romulan war happened um, about a hundred and fifty years ago. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think is it one of the one of the ensigns on the uh, uh, pilot in the ship? Yes. Um, uh-huh. um, um, I think Kirk says, like, oh, leave your bigotry behind or something. I, I, I yeah, yeah, well, because yeah. uh, no one's seen, no one knows what a Romulan looks like until they finally see them. And they look similar to um, to Spock. Yeah. Basically, they've got pointy ears. And as you say, the uh, the navigator on, on the ship uh, makes a comment about, because there's a, uh, the Romulans are sending something to their home planet and it's by code. And this navigator say, says, um, Oh, I'm sure Spock would be able to translate it. Mm. And then Kirk goes, um, do you mean, are you are you commending him for his uh, for his skill as an interpreter? So I don't know. 
leave your prejudice behind. It's just a really nice moment. It's, it's you know, in a nice line and perform really well. But that it it it, um, it goes through the throughout the rest of the episode. You know, the stig, you know, the stigma yeah. because they look similar and they're the enemy and stuff like that. So it's also an episode that deals with prejudice. Yeah. Um, so it's got a lot going on in that episode. I just thought it's like, wow, this is because as I said uh, in our previous podcast. Um, there's not one episode I've seen so far where I just think, oh my god, that's that's awful. I mean, I have my preference, like, um, of the episodes I've seen so far, The Consciousness of the King is probably my least favourite, just because I find it a little bit irritating in places, and I, I was talking about mm-hmm. Miri being quite yes. low, because there's there's a really good premise there, but there's the aspects of that story which I find a bit uncomfortable watching, um... But beyond and, that, and the whole the whole point that it, it just doesn't make sense as well. Oh yeah, well the whole thing about how the episode begins of going there's a there's a planet that looks identical to Earth, but that's not going to form any part of the story, and we're not going to mention it from this point on. Yeah. Just gonna, uh, but yeah, the themes you were talking about, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the other, you know, but the the rest of the episodes is just really really you know good, um, and I know that you know people say the Cobra Mike maneuver is like one of the best. I certainly rank that you know quite highly. I think that you know that's mm. still good. But Balance of Terror at the moment is my favourite episode. You haven't reached Space Seed yet, have you? I think that might be the second season. No. Uh, no, I haven't. Because uh, So I've watched no. 13 episodes of the first series so far. I think there's about another 15 to go through or something like that. I'm not quite sure. But, oh, right, it's um, quite a lot, isn't there? Yeah, Yeah, there's still quite a few. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there's 20-odd episodes in each series, I think. So I've still got uh, quite a way to go. All right, cool. And you haven't watched any of the movies yet. You're going to wait. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to wait. I mean, I know that's not necessary. You can watch the uh, the um, the films completely separately. But I'm being really nerdy about it, I suppose. And just one, I, I, one, I'm I, I'm enjoying just taking my time going through the series and just enjoying the episodes. Um, mm. So I'm quite happy just focusing on that. But I'd quite like to see the the, the full series and then and then jump into the films. Yeah, I think it probably works best because you know by the time you get to the films, there's, there's a, of course, this history and chemistry between them all. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you watch it straight away after, I'll leave it as, as a distant memory. I don't know which works best, but yeah. <laughs> the one thing I will say is though, because when I watched it as a kid, I loved, I loved all the characters that are in it, um, and they always stuck with me. Um, you know, and I'm talking about yeah. the main characters here. So obviously, you got Captain Kirk and Captain Spock and Bones. Yeah. Um, I used to think Bones was called Phones, <laughs> right, okay. but I was very, very young. Um, and of course, Uhura. One of the things that I'm really surprised with going back to the original series is how little Uhura is actually in the episodes. That's taken mm. me by surprise because she always, I always thought she was a really good. I mean, she is still a strong character. I haven't changed my mind on that. But I always thought that she was a, a really good character and was in it a lot more. Mm. Um, so I'm surprised, actually, you know, she's not in every episode. And um, she is in it an awful lot. So I was, I, was, I, was just, I was a bit surprised about that. Yeah. Um, I don't think she shines until... Um... Oh, I don't really want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but um it was interesting because um, she was friends with Doc- Dr. Martin Luther King. And she had said at some point, I think when they were filming the first series, that she was thinking of leaving. I think I, I think it was because she thought the role was a bit small and she could be doing bigger and better things. But 
Dr. Martin Luther King said, because he watched Star Trek and he went, no, it, we, because not forgetting when this was originally broadcast, this, I think it began in 1966. This is during when the civil rights movement's going on in America. And Dr. Martin Luther King made the point of going, no, we've got a, we've got a big, um, uh, television series where a black character, uh, a black person is working with, working positively and effectively with white people. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the basis of her having that conversation with Dr. Martin Luther King, she went, right, okay, I will stay with this series. And it's interesting, much later on, when you get to the um, Star Trek The Next Ge- Generation, Whoopi Goldberg made a big thing about wanting to get into the series. And she she had to go to the studio and have a conversation. Because at this point, you know, she was a big, um, you know, she was a well-established comedian and actress. Yeah. And they were kind of like, well, why do you want to do this? And then she was, t- and then she was talking about how Star Trek was really the first time a television series had a black character in it, and it was and was positively positively portrayed. And I think Gene Roddenberry went, even he didn't realize that. And he went, really? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is really important. So um, that was really important for her. And then having that conversation with the makers of uh, Star Trek and the Next Generation, they they wrote her character in. Uh, Guinan. Yeah, I think she was a good fit. Yeah, yeah, I love that character, and I think she, you know, she plays that played that part yeah. very well. And she's back this year. Yes, you mentioned that. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, with uh, John Delance and uh, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, enjoying Star Trek. So uh, anyway, that's I think good. that's enough Star Trek talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this week. I've been watching the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings extended. <laughs> yes, you texted me about that. Yeah, uh, you said like why why on earth? What's your feelings towards that? Well, I wasn't asking you why you were doing that with the Lord of the Rings. I was asking you why you were doing it with the Hobbit. Just going mm. because weren't you basically doing it as a marathon? It didn't start out that way. I just thought, ah, there it is on Netflix. I'll just put it on, <laughs> and then I was all of a sudden getting all the box sets out and. Uh-huh. Giving it a watch. I mean, I th- it was more to do with the fact that you were doing it as a marathon, which was just kind of, why are you putting yourself through Oh, that? right, yes, all in one day. Yeah, yeah, all in one. I just thought that was a bit bonkers, really. I mean, the, the thing is with The Hobbit, they're not awful films. I'm not suggesting that, but they're not They're not great. There's problems with them, and there's no sense. Uh, there's yeah. no real sense of danger or anything like that, I find, with those. There's things in it that I like. Um, I remember... Um, I think it was the, I think it may have been the first one um, came out the cinema with that and I was saying to my friends um, the best thing about that film was um, Radagast the Brown one of my totally. mates cl- yeah one of my mates clocked it and went is that wasn't he the guy that played Doctor Who he was like yeah and he went yeah okay we, we'll get why you like that character but uh, this is, all right, okay. um, they're all right but um yeah. yeah, I've actually been having this conversation with my wife over the space of a few hours this week. <laughs> right, okay. Because um, we watched the Hobbit trilogy and we're aware of what's, what's kind of wrong with it. We've talked about the stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, because Lord of the Rings, a lot of prep went into that. Yeah. And with the Hobbit, it was Peter Jackson who came on board <clears throat> quite at the last minute because of a shake-up behind the scenes, and he had no time to prepare. Um, allegedly, there was a lot of stuff that was 
that were shooting that was unstoryboarded or even unscripted. It sounds like chaos, but you know when you watch it visually, it it's you know, it's really good. Um, it's cast fairly well. It, it, well, I remember when when it was announced that they were going to be doing this. Uh, originally, it was Del Toro, the the director who did Pan's Labyrinth and the Hellboy films. He was going to be the one who was going to direct them. And I went, oh, this is going to be really interesting, and exciting. And I know mm. that Peter Jackson was very keen for for Del Toro to be involved and have these films be their own thing with their own style and, and so on. And they'd already gone into months of pre-production. That's right. And then um, and then just everything just seemed to completely collapse and Del Toro was basically forced out of the picture. Peter Jackson got, then got involved and I think they gave him six months pre-production, which for uh, these yes. type of films is nowhere Bonkers. near enough. Yeah, um, I mean... I th- it was time enough for him to do some casting as well mm-hmm. i mean it was just you know and as you said yeah and then there were basically a lot of the, a lot of the stuff was shot on the hoof and it just became an absolute mess and then um if anyone's interested because there's a th- um lindsay ellis um did uh who was a uh, a youtube video essayist who uh reviewed films uh sadly she's she's no longer doing it um, but I think her videos are still available on YouTube. Uh, if you search Lindsay Ellis and The Hobbit, she, there's three videos that she's uploaded where she, she talks about the films, reviews them, but also looks at the uh, production of the films and actually the the negative effect that those films had in New Zealand because those films ended up changing um, the law... <laughs> Um, the law about to, in relation to um, uh, workers' rights and unions. It, it's bonkers, but uh, she did... In a, in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, in a bad way. Watch those videos. It's really interesting. She even okay. talks to um, uh, a few people, one person in particular who was, who was one of the main cast. Uh, it, it, it's really good. I'd recommend watching those. Right, okay. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. Because um, uh, I've been reading up a lot about behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's very interesting, um, and it's a shame when you look at you know you go back to the Lord of the Rings films and um, you know how good they were. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, we also did watch the Lord of the Rings straight after. Not uh, the extended versions, wasn't it? Which I've never what's... seen. I've never seen the extended versions yet. Right. Okay. Well, we watched the theatrical cuts of the hobbit because we don't own these they're on netflix right okay uh the theatrical cuts of lord of the rings um i've had those it's on dvd but you know what watching the dvds on my television it was really good actually mm-hmm. um considering how old those dvds are um so uh be, um, I, I looked into maybe getting um Maybe getting a Blu-ray or a 4K collection. I don't think the price is quite right at the moment. I th- I'm pretty sure it was about sixty odd pound for a Blu-ray collection. Okay. Um, for the six films extended. Um, so I think I'll hold off for now because I've kind of watched en- enough of it lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I quite like I quite like my DVDs. They look pretty. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're right. There's a big difference between the two trilogies. 
Um, the problem with The Hobbit, it was one book. Um, Del Toro was going to make two films. Yep. Peter Jackson was brought on board. And then I think it was, I don't know if it was before or after the first film came out, they announced they were going to stretch it to three films, which, you know, screams oh, it's a bit of a cash grab, possibly. Um, also, it's nice we're getting more content there. Uh, I don't. I think either way, it would have been a bit of a stretch to the story had it been two, two or three films. And um, there's a lot of extra content in there um, with Tolkien's book. Um, I think it's paced very well between chapters, the the drama. But um, in the films, that pacing is totally um, not given justice because there's just a lot of filler mm-hmm. and sidetracks and things. Um, it would have been interesting to see what it would have been as a single film. Yeah. Given the, the treatment that Lord of the Rings had. But in the same way, that there's pros and cons about it. it it's entertaining. Yes. Ways. Uh, I mean, if Easy I was to, to basically sum it up, what I. Because I completely agree. Um, I think three films is far too much. There's far too much padding in there. There's good stuff in there, but there's there's far too much padding. And I think. Uh, they could have made one or two really good films. Instead, what they've done is made three average films. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think commercially it was a success. I think they've grossed three billion from that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much they spent. They probably spent a lot getting uh, Peter Jackson on board as well. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's also a new Lord of the Rings television series coming to Amazon. Did you know about that? Yes, I had heard, I had heard heard about that. I became aware of it through, uh, unfortunately, through negative means. Negative means. Yeah, because there's some controver- controversy because um, they they've cast uh, black actors in it, and we can't be having that, can we? Um, ah, right. Okay. Um, what because? Be, what because they shouldn't be there? Is that the thing? I haven't looked too much into it because I can't be bothered. But um, the, from what I can gather, it's um, people have said that if you're going to adapt Tolkien, stick with what Tolkien has done. And what Tolkien has done is he's written a fantasy novel which is clearly inspired by Western European history. That's what fantasy is. None of the characters, therefore, in his novels... Well, basically... All his characters in the Lord of the Rings novels are white Caucasian, and therefore that's how it should be. With um, is it Amazon uh, who's doing this? Yeah, with and I guess there's a lot of other um, traditional stuff in Lord of the Rings, which is like gender stereotypes and the way the way women are treated and portrayed and spoken to as well, mm-hmm. which is a bit annoying. But um, it, yeah, but it's, then it's, it's the, being the thing is with fantasy is because it is even though it's fictional, but it, but it's ground in it's grounded in medieval history, mm. and obviously in the medieval the medieval times it was uh, you know um, the treatment of women wasn't enlightened. I think is probably the way to describe it. Um, mm. So obviously that would feed into fantasy, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, that's not something I was aware of. I know um, there's been a trailer. Right, okay. Uh, something interesting's happened to the trailer, came out 10 days ago. This is quite remarkable. There's been there's been a backlash to it. 
because of a lot of things uh, about the characters, the designs, the fact that there's a dwarven female there that doesn't have a beard. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, now, um, the series is called The Rings of Power. You can check the trailer out on YouTube. Um, Ten days ago, it had had 28 million views so far. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's, there's 84,000 comments. So I went on and I thought, oh, are, the, are a lot of these comments spam? Because at first it's, it's in a lot of different languages and you can translate it and there's a lot in English. Mm. And the majority of these 84,000 comments are all the same quote from Tolkien. So, evil is not capable of creating anything new. It can only distort and destroy what has been invented or made by the forces of good. And literally everyone is posting that in protest against the new show. But so many people, it's become a massive thing now. Right, everyone, okay. Everyone is trolling the comments of that in protest. Okay. From from, from a 57 second trailer that I don't like. <laughs> but... I see. Yeah. Mm. I haven't kind of read too much into why they hate it or not, but uh, yeah. Personally, I'm not really fussed. I'm not going to, probably not going to watch it. No, no, well, I'm not because I'm not signed up to Amazon Prime. And um, so (laughs) that's the only reason I won't be watching it. Not because of some (laughs) principle in in quotation marks. I just, uh, I'm just not subscribed to Amazon Prime. And I'm not, no. and I'm not going to. But um, it'd be interesting to see if there's a if, if there's a reversal of opinion when people actually watch the show. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can't see that happening, but because yeah. uh, I think I think I am aware that other people have criticised it, saying that mm, it looks a bit ropey production wise, and I think some people are saying that the CGI looks a bit poor. Yes, um, the first season has been made in New Zealand. And um, the second and third seasons, which I think have been commissioned, are all going to be filmed in the UK. <laughs> oh, they're going to be filmed in Scotland? I don't know. Well, have I made Where? that up? Where have I got that from? Are we all do it on Dartmoor. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'd watch. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> or rather, you won't. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just tell me about it. So, is that is there anything else that we need to discuss before we move on? Um, we may be guesting on the Who Can Convince You podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next, depending on their schedule, next week or the week after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, we're going to be on an episode of their Look Who's Talking, uh, which discusses anything but Doctor Who. <laughs> A bit like this section of the podcast, which is yeah. coming to dominate actually the most of the podcast. Yes, I think we're about to wrap things up and quickly say <laughs> something about Doctor Who soon. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we, we're going to have to think of. We're going to have to have, have a. I'm calling a meeting now. Um. What we're going to talk about? We need some topics of discussion. Yeah. We um. Do. I did. So. Uh. My neighbours got me a large tin of a certain substance. From the cash and carry. A large uh, tin of a certain substance. <laughs> right, okay. You know what this is. Swafiga? I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it's an abomination in food. Oh my god! Yes, I know exactly what it is. It is an abomination. My yeah. god! Right, yes. Now tell you what, I will reveal what it is on next week's Cloisterbell podcast. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, but whether or not, depending on the Who Can Convince You Boys podcast schedule, we'll talk about it in depth there. I think I'm going to discuss the pros and cons of eating that stuff out of the tin. Um, I feel sick. Yeah, I might also bring up marzipan if you don't mind, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Support me. Uh, so, have you got any any topics of discussion? I don't think it'd be. F- I don't think it should be food based because I am generally feeling queasy. If it is, bring it up before before I get to my point. Please, can you sp- stop using the phrase "bring it up" as well? It's it's really not helping. Oh. Uh, I feel like I want to vomit. <laughs> that stuff looks yeah. rank. That's why I'm, I'm reserving it for their podcast. We don't have that kind of stuff. Like so tune film. into the podcast we'll be guesting on where we would just be projectile vomiting. It's going to be a riot. Um, <laughs> um, what do you like? Um, do you like... Um, we can't do trains because they did trains. Oh yes, and we talked about trains and uh, well, we did trains as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's we can't it, do that again. tied in because it was Mummy on the you know, Express with yeah, that. I suppose. What about um, cars, bikes, scooters, <laughs> planes, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles? What's um, your poison? What do you like? <laughs> I don't know. I need to think about it. Have they have have they told us what topics uh, they would like to talk about as well? Nah, um, Harry's going to message with some topics, and I said we'd do the same. Right. So okay. they'll have they'll have one or two things. I guess we can have one or two things. They mm-hmm. did. Um, um, neither the time nor space pod guest on theirs, and um, they were talking about cryogenic freezing. And, um, and at one point, they were saying. Um, who could we convince to get cryogenic freezing? And they named me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are they right? Can we convince yeah. you? Stick yourself uh, in the freezer? No. Well, I wish I was part of that conversation because I've actually it's actually something I've researched. <laughs> oh, is it okay? Yeah, and um, I, I know that um, the severe um, like limitations of it as well, like. What problems arise when you're defrosting someone? Um, so. Well, I suppose the effects of frostbite would kick in. Yeah, that might hurt. <laughs> do you remember there was? Do you remember there was that thing years ago about you know um, Walt Disney cryogenically yeah. froze his head? Well, they brought that up and they debunked it. But I'm a firm believer that his head is in Disneyland. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'm of the opinion. I think it's. I think it's a great story, but I think it's a, it's a crock of crap. But if you just stop and think about it, why just the head? Um, because by the time they figured out how to revive heads, they'll also <laughs> know how to um give them a new body. Or it could or it could just be a head in a tank like in Futurama. Could be. Which is coming back. That's it's crazy. I've been I've been. Rewatching them, they're on Disney Plus. Oh, of course. <laughs> Where else would they be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do, What doesn't Disney own? Um, 
What doesn't what doesn't Disney own? Um Well they don't own Doctor Who yet. Would that be a good thing? Well, we'll just have to wait and say I don't know because you you know right, because we know that Russell T. Davis is coming back. Which is yeah. sort of interesting because in some respects it's kind of oh okay, Russell T. Davis is coming back, isn't that cool? And then also Oh, Russell T. Davis is coming back. That's a bit weird. Um, so there's that. And that, and that brought these rumours that David Tennant's going to be coming back as the Doctor. There was just rumours. I don't know what it is. That rumour seems to be getting more and more traction. It's mm. still a rumour. But it's just going, do we... Because if that is true, um, I don't think I'll be quite keen on that. Mm, no. And also, um, do you think Russell T. Davis might franchise the shit out of Doctor Who? And make new shows, because he seems quite keen it, on that idea. If he's doing it in house, he could create original stuff, unlicensed to any BBC license restrictions, and he could put that out anywhere. Yeah, that's true, and I've got, I've got, a, I suspect that is what's happened. But I don't want a Doctor Who multi-universe thing. What if it's all Doctors? Ugh. <laughs> depends on the doctor if it's sort of like well actually one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to bring Paul McGann back and he will have his own series then I'd be you like you know what I'm scared um, Russell T Davis would do it wrong because Stephen Moffat remarkably did it so well bringing Paul McGann back mm. I'm scared um, Russell T Davis would do it badly Mm. Would he? No. <laughs> he might do. <laughs> anyway, time will tell. But now that we've mentioned the tenant, um, shall we crack on? We'll crack on. Yeah. So, we're talking about the 2005 Children in Need charity special, in case you've forgotten, because we mentioned it about three quarters of an hour ago. <laughs> um the Ninth Doctor has just regenerated into his next incarnation, but will Rose trust the Doctor now that he has a brand new face? The short was broadcast as part of the Children in Need telethon, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Um, on the 18th of November 2005, so midway between the Series 1 ending and the Christmas Invasion, which was of course on Christmas Day. <laughs> um it was actually filmed in between The Girl in the Fireplace and Rise of the Cybermen. Oh, um, okay. Which is interesting, you know, I guess the 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 two of them are settled into the characters at this point. I, I just had the impression it was it was a, a quick scene made in between, so it was Tennant's first first ever scene. Yeah, I thought that. It's a bit funny as well because it comes across like that as well. It does, yeah. Like, oh, bad acting. We'll excuse that. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, I mean, David Tennant was a well-established actor at this point, hence the reason why he was cast. They weren't going to cast yeah. a, you know, a nobody from nowhere. But <laughs> I'm sorry for watching this. It was just like, ooh, the acting's a bit... Not from Billy Piper. I think her acting's actually quite decent. It's not mm, her best, yeah. but I think it's decent. David Tennant's acting, on the other hand, ooh, I'm not... Yeah. I was watching this and going, Jesus, this is bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, it didn't. It didn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so yeah, it was filmed midpoint in series two. Uh, it was apparently it's also known as Born Again. I don't know where that. Excuse me, I don't know where that comes from. If that's legit or not, or official. Um, well, officially, it doesn't have a proper title. It's just a thing. Um, I knew it, and I think you probably knew it as well, Rob, as uh, the, the jokey title that RTD originally gave it, which was Pudsy Cutaway. I didn't know that. Oh, it, um, so yeah, it, for a long, long time, it was called Pudsy Cutaway. And that's what, it, again, not a serious title. It was just something that was jokingly given it, because for those that don't know, Pudsy is a bear, which is the uh, the mascot for children in need. And there was an episode in the Hartnell era called Dalek Cutaway. Um, and so it was a reference to that. Uh, I only became aware of this title, Born Again, in preparation for this podcast. Yeah, me too. I was reluctant to say it because I couldn't find a source for it. Mm. It was like, occasionally known as Born Again. And I said, I thought, I, do I bring this up? Is this legit? Is this off a commentary or out of the writer's tale or something? Well, it's know. on Wikipedia. <laughs> It must be true. It must be true. It must be true. Um, yeah, so... And actually, if you go on YouTube, some people have, have posted it up and put it under that title. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Which it I is think annoying... for titles, quite, you know, decent, it makes sense. Yeah, I wish it did have a title, because um, on the DVD, it's just called the, the C-I-N episode <laughs> or something. Which the is, Sin, the, or the Kin. Yeah, it's a bit mm. crap. And I'm sure it's kind of... Um, just stuffed away in the special features. Mm. I'm sure it was on the DVD. Does that seem right to you? I think, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like it get, like it gets overlooked. Um, and I don't know, is not having this episode on iPlayer, having it hidden on the DVDs, um, because we have um, the other show, The Night of the Doctor, that's on iPlayer. So is having this not in the mainstream lineup of episodes. Do you think it's a detriment, or do you think um, the flow between Parting in the Ways and the Christmas Invasion works fine without it? I think it works fine without it. Yeah, I don't think this is. <laughs> I don't think this is necessary. <laughs> it's a nice little thing that it's there, uh-huh. uh, and I I like um, seeing Rose's initial reaction to the Doctor, and you know because. If you knew somebody and they completely changed their whole physical appearance of personality in front of you, you would be a bit freaked out. So um, I like seeing that aspect of it. Um, yeah. And I think Billy Piper plays that really well. It's not too heavy-handed. There's a, def- there's a there's a lightness of touch to it in terms of how it's written and how it's performed. But you, you get the message. And, you know, when she's talking about, you know, I've seen things and um, you know, I've seen nano nanogenes and da-da-da-da-da. She goes, oh my god, are you Slovene? So it's 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 slightly jokey as well. So it's not mm. it's not too heavy. So I think it's nicely done. Yeah, and if, of course, a lot of the viewers will be experiencing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. So everything that Rose is mentioning is stuff the viewers will be familiar with. And if the viewers trying to rationalise what the hell's going on, mm-hmm. you know, kind of makes sense. Uh, and I think I think she handled it better than mm, many other companions would have newer ones I think it was a good performance yes I think it was a very good performance so I like it from that but going back to the earlier point it's I mean this isn't strictly necessary I think going from the parting of the ways straight into the Christmas invasion I think works yeah a lot better actually I think so and the fact that you know we've just learned that this was filmed midway in season two Mm. 
I'm starting to wonder, was this ever even meant to happen? You know what I mean? Was it a like mistake it, and it just... No, no, I know no, what you mean. Like, like there was an opportunity to do a charity scene before the series comes out and, I, and did he... Did Russell just rustle it up? Hey. <laughs> um, I mean, possibly. I mean, in terms of the writing, I haven't got a problem with it, actually. Um, no. It's fine. It, it, it's, a, it's a nice little thing. Um, but what... The main reason why I find that the transition works a lot better between parting of the way straight into the Christmas invasion. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, it's David Tennant's performance. I find it really irritating. Um, and it might be the thing is, because I, I've said it before, he's my least favourite doctor. Um, and that's got, uh, and that's to do with the personality of the doctor. I just don't, I don't like the, he, he's too cocky and arrogant and, um, it's, it's a bit smug in this, isn't he? Yeah, but I found that. Well, but I found this really great. I mean, it's been a long time since, um, apart from the two episodes which we review, which was the Unicorn and the Wasp, and what was your favorite David Tennant again? Boomtown. No, that wasn't even him. The one he wasn't in. That was better. <laughs> Honestly, um, what the hell? What was it? Oh. No. Speaks volumes you can't bloody remember, I suppose. Oh, what was it? I've got no idea. I can't even think of one I like. Um, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to go to cloisterbellpodcast.com. <laughs> They'll know. <laughs> the last tenant one that I'd posted would have been... Oh, was it The Girl in the Fireplace? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one, actually. That is a good episode. So, apart from... So, this was filmed straight after that. See, <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, straight this is all that. planned. So, anyway, um, so, yeah, the girl in the fireplace. So, apart from the girl in the fireplace and the uh, the unicorn and the wasp, uh, which we did probably... It was before October last year, I think. A long it was, time o- It was October, in fact. <laughs> oh, okay, it was... <laughs> Right, okay. A long time ago. Several months back. Uh, other than that, the, the last time we watched a David, uh, I watched a David Tennant, I cannot for the life of me remember. So, going back to watch his performance of the Doctor, it might be a bit of a culture shock, I don't know, but I really wasn't keen on his performance in this. Especially when he starts hopping around. Yeah. Hopping for the lives. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, and it, it <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was irritating and cheesy. And mm. I, at this point, I'm with Rose, like, can you change back? Do you want me to? Yeah. It was like, yeah, can you go back to Eccleston, please? Yeah. Um, that was a good exchange between the two of them, though, I thought. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of unsure about what them themselves feel and also what the other person feels. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good exchange, like, he said, do you want me to change back? And... She's saying, do you want me to go home? Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, I thought that was a good point to get to. Uncertainty, because the... the um, yeah, it's like she knows him, but she doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. We know how this all works by now. I don't need to explain this. Yeah. <laughs> but it just gets to the point of just going, right, can't the doctor, when he ever meets someone, just go, right, okay, by the way, uh, um, in dire circumstances, I completely changed my, my whole 
physical appearance yeah. and personality. So when it does happen, they're a bit more prepared for it. Yeah. Um, best best way to do it is hope that you yourself as a companion are in a multi-doctor story first and then <laughs> you see it coming. <laughs> yes. Jack gets a mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened. Because um, he gets left behind. I don't know. Well, what do you think? Do you think Rose understands what she's been through? And does she understand that she brought Jack back? I know um, the doctor himself claimed that uh, he knew what happened to Jack, so he fled. Mm. Do you think Rose knew? Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, the fact that isn't isn't Rose who mentions him? Yeah. Yes, in yes, fact, it she, is. She, she says she says Captain Jack will know what to do. Shouldn't she just just say Jack at this point? Yeah, bit formal, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So she mentions Captain uh, Captain Jack can can help. So yeah, I think she does know. So we will have a scene with uh, the Doctor asking, "What does he look like?" So he's got um, he's got legs, and arms, and hands, and hair. <laughs> bit of a weak uh, wrist. Yeah, a bit of a weak wrist. He's not bald. Sideburns, uh, and he's got a mole on his bad back. skin. Oh, I love the mole. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if I wonder if that was a line that David Tennant put in because he himself said that if you look at the Christmas Invasion, which was his first episode, his skin's really bad. He always thought he looked very bad, like his skin was awful. Right. So I'm wondering if, and because now having established that this was recorded much later. You know, they've got a few episodes under the belt yeah. and then they're recording this thing. I wonder if he put that line in or RTD put it in as a joke, as a reference to that. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it now that I know that it was filmed later. <laughs> because you really excuse it because uh, he doesn't know what he's doing yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to excuse from this episode. Um, the sound... And the lighting is a bit inconsistent between shots. Mm. So there's a there's an issue with the editing. It can all be excused because this is, of course, a charity special. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the recap scene from season one, it's a bit choppy. Sometimes the sound is a bit... Um, in, bet- in between shots, the background noises are a bit here and there. Mm-hmm. The lighting changes occasionally. Yeah. So he reminds Rose of the first meeting. And um, this is when he takes her by the hand and she begins to see that, um, you know, really, really is him, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts to go go a bit weird, because <laughs> like the, the regeneration's going wrong. Yeah. He starts to push the TARDIS past its limits. And, t- and then he kind of breaks out of it. He's like, the regeneration's going wrong. I can't stop myself. And then he's just like... Pushing it further and further. Uh, any thoughts on that? Tonally, it's a complete whiplash. And this is another reason why I think uh, going from Parting of the Ways straight into Christmas Invasion works a lot better because you don't really get this sudden thing of going, oh, the Doctor seems quite with it considering he's just regenerated and then all of a sudden he's going on like a complete raving maniac, which the transition from one into the other, David Tennant, I don't think performs particularly well. So it could it comes across as just crap it's it comes across as amateurish is really which is staggering really so it's seven minutes gone 
Um, and you think we're better off without it, possibly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't, I mean, there are elements of it that I like. I kind of like mostly for the writing. And the, as you, as we said, uh, there's a couple of nice moments and then some nice lines. And I really like um, how Russell T. Davis wrote Rose's reaction. You know, it's believable, but without it being sort of like really heavy handed. And I like how Billy Piper performs all that. I think it's great. And you were right, there's inconsistencies with like the lighting and the bit of the, bit of the production. But I can kind of, which really, given the fact that it's only a seven minute thing, you kind of go, really? It, yeah. You know, there's no excuse. But I can kind of forgive it for that. The thing that I find really glaring and I keep on focusing on is I don't think David Tennant gives a great performance here. No, considering he's just done that scene with Madame de Pompadour and the TARDIS where we kind of cried and then he goes straight onto this. Yeah, wow. What? what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've always worried that people are missing out on this when they're kind of binge watching the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you've kind of filled me with confidence that <laughs> we don't even need it. Have a change of Maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, as a completist, I'd like... I'd like it if it was in the foreground of the episode listings on the on the DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. Yeah, right. no, no, I see, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it was actually directed by Euros Lynn, who had been directing for the show since uh, the end of the world in series one, all the way until the end of time mm-hmm. in series four. And is that series four? Is that the specials? The specials. The isn't specials. It? Yeah. Um. So Euros Lane had not only directed David Tennant's first episode, but also his last. Ah, okay. Yeah. And they're both great. <laughs> oh, brilliant, yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of covers everything I had to say about that. Do you have any other points? No, no, I mean, I think we've done very well to string out an hour podcast for, I think, that's seven minutes I honestly minutes thought this was going to be a five-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little curio, I think. You know, this, for, I mean, for seven minutes, actually, you know, there's stuff in there that I think you could actually argue that it's a wonderful shorthand for the RTD. There's some really wonderful stuff in there, and there's some stuff which is naff. Yeah. But um, as as a completist, I'd, I'd like to see it more have... Uh, have more pride of place and had it had a title that would have been cool as well because mm-hmm. um, of course we have Time Crash following on um, in after series 3 and 4 mm-hmm. which were clearly planned for children who need stuff yeah and so it do, yeah it, going back to it it does make you wonder if this was a last minute thing of just going oh we can quickly do a, a short Doctor Who thing for children in need. Let's just do it and then quickly, quickly write it and quickly just get it yeah. out there. Whereas and perhaps the bad edit reflects that because they were they were doing it in their own time. They were, and they were also busy with the actual series itself. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. There seems to be more evidence of that. Whereas if you look at Time Crash, it you know there was more time. It was properly planned. It was a proper. It production. made the front front of the Radio Times. Yeah, um, there was publicity photos, photos and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so on to the conclusion and score. We did a poll mm-hmm. of the twenty-two people who voted. Seventy-seven point three percent said it was good. Oh, okay. Yep. Not right. Oh no 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 no. What? Hold on. 
I've just read the wrong poll. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> ah. Okay, scrap that. <laughs> right. Well, I'll start again. <laughs> Oops. Um. So on to the. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to edit this out. <laughs> no, no. This this stays in, Rob. This stays in. Okay. So we did a poll. <laughs> Right. How would you rate Children Need Special? Only 12 people, I'm afraid. <laughs> wow, okay, so it's halved. Okay, yeah. <laughs> still, still, though. 66.7% said it was good. And, uh, um, at a draw, 16.7% each said it was average and bad. Oh, okay. So, yeah, people thought it was good. I don't know where I stand on this. I'm going to say it is average because I've now come to realise it's <laughs> it's it's not an essential part of the main narrative, and um, it it was perhaps uh, rustled up <laughs> afterwards. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say average. Yeah. I just love it just sort of like this is just an episode of just going Liam has convinced Rob that yeah I agree I think it's average yeah but still I'm a completist I thought it was worthy of its own podcast (laughs) (laughs) what oh my god what do we call this podcast do we call it it's got no title I don't Liam I don't want to call it born again do we just call it Children in Need 2005 Special? Yeah, let's just call it that. Okay. People don't know what we mean. Right, okay. Um, so I think that's it for this week. Um, please follow us on social media. Get in touch. That'd be brilliant. Um, we're on facebook.com forward slash cloisterbell. We are on Twitter at podcastbell. We are on Instagram, cloister underscore bell. If you'd like to support the podcast at all, um, you can get access to bonus episodes, video diaries uh, with me. I don't know if I can twist Liam's arm and get him to do a video diary sometime. Um, do pressure him to do that on social media. Um, we're on, so we're on patreon.com forward slash cloisterbell. Liam, of course, has his own podcast as well. Well, this is your podcast, Liam. I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> Liam has another podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners about that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, unlike this one where... Uh, uh, this is complete, complete nonsense, this one, yeah. So no, you know. no, no, it's, it's shared. It's um, if, you, if you feel like you can stomach a podcast where it's just me talking uh, and talking about films, then go over to Motion Picture Podcast. At the moment, I'm available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, That's great. I'll give you a rating on Spotify. But it said it needs more ratings to make it to, to generate a rating so everybody go rate on spotify now <laughs> yes thanks so um so it's uh, the, the podcasts are quite short uh relatively probably talking about 20 20 odd minutes run about there um where so at the moment uh, at the time of recording i've uh, i've reviewed uh batman the 1989 movie uh, the madness of king george the long good friday 2001 a space odyssey and because this year marks the 60th anniversary of the Bond films, I will be reviewing all the Bond films this year, but uh, in batches. 
So I'll start with the first batch. So Dr. No from Russia with Love, and by the time you're listening to this, Goldfinger would have uh, come out. Um, That's not the official, like, kind of designation, is it? James Bond, the first batch. <laughs> you don't see that <laughs> no, on no, DVDs. No, no, but I, 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 I've broken it in because I didn't want to uh, give the impression that I've, I've, I'm doing a, a James Bond podcast because I'm reviewing mm. films in general. What um, do you call Bond eras? Yeah, it's a bit... Um, I mean, usually it would uh, be the actors, I suppose. But then the thing yeah. is, because George Lazenby only did one film, um, and this is what... Yeah, that, w- that wouldn't be his batch, No, no. by definition. <laughs> but I've... So how I've, how I've batched them uh, <laughs> is it's the Connery and Lazenby films first, so that's Doctor No up to including Diamonds Are Forever. That's the first batch. You then, start, the, the words losing all meaning. Yeah. And then <laughs> I review two some of the films. And then I do the Roger Moore films. Yes. And then move on yes. to something else. And then I, I think, uh, if I remember rightly, I think I've done the... Then it's the Dalton and Brosnan eras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then do some more films. And then and then finally the Daniel Craig batch. Or Daniel Craig era. <laughs> um, but there'll be other the stuff in there, so... Yeah. yeah. So just remind. Uh, so thanks, Rob, uh, for for bringing it up. But it's motion picture podcast, as I said, uh, available at the moment on Spotify and SoundCloud. Um, well, thanks for listening. Tune in next week where I will reveal uh, what I got in a tin from the cash and carry, and Liam thinks it's an, an abomination to mankind. Um, <laughs> and also, Liam, what on earth are we talking about next week? Uh, yes, next week uh, we're going way back to uh, the William Hartnell era and we're going to be re- reviewing the two-part of the rescue. Good. See you then, everyone. Bye. Bye. Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no.